How you guys doing today? Ah, yeah, I don't know. You sound like a roar. That was Josh, I think. Hey, welcome uh, to The Remnant. My name's Todd. I'm the uh, pastor here, so I'm really excited to get to see some new faces. And I don't say old faces, familiar, familiar faces. Um, so if it's your first time here, you're joining us for the second week of a series, but don't worry, because each individual message is its own standalone. So you can come in and you get something out of it that you, did, you can miss last week. It's fine. Um, and what we're doing is we're calling it the stories, and we're going through the entire Bible, but taking snapshots and stories of different individuals and events throughout the Bible. Now, I'm going to give this probably every single week, so you might as well get used to it if you come to this. It's really easy. I say the stories, but I don't want you to think of them as just stories, right? These aren't fables. These aren't myths. This isn't, um, you know, this isn't Aesop's fables, okay? This is, these are, this is a historical fact. These things happened. And I think that's important to keep in our mind because it helps us focus and take out of it what God wants us to take out of it. Because sometimes we have a tendency, if we read it as fables, we're like, oh, that's a nice lesson, but completely unrealistic to have and live out of and, and do. And that's not true, right? They were as real as you or me. Now, what does that mean? That meant that they had, um, they got sad, and they got angry, and they were happy, and they had loved ones, and they had um, tough situations, all the things that, that you and I do. Late nights, early mornings, all those things they went through too. And the truth is, even though your story may never be included in the Bible, your story and their story, right, it's all about God's story. And now he's moving in your lives and our lives. And that's the entirety of the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament. <clears throat> I used to have a problem um, when I first became a believer because it did seem like God was different. We've got this Old Testament God. He's angry. I think my parents used to say like the eye for the eye kind of God. right? You understand him even though he's terrifying. Like somebody punches you, you punch them. That's fair. And then Jesus comes along and he flips it and it's about love and grace. And the truth is it's been the same God all along. And he's had to work with hard-hearted people. I'm one of them, right? He's had to work with those kinds of people and had to deal with them in different ways to get them to understand who's God and who's not. And uh, so that's the gist of it. It's the same God. The, the entire Bible, guys, if you take one thing from, from this today, the Bible is the story of God's interaction with his creation, his people, and his desire to bring them home. That's it. To heal us, to fix us, to make us who we are supposed to be. So that's the gist of that. There's my speech. Um, today I want to talk, here's the thing, speaking of faith, I have this thought a lot. Christianity, really any religion, but let's talk about Christianity. Christianity is, is weird, okay? It's weird. And the, the concept of it, really, it's really pretty simple. Our entire faith, me and Christianity, involves choosing to trust. It does. And so you want to know the quality of where your faith is? Well, how's your trust? I'm serious. It's very, very simple. See, the very first sin that happened in the garden, what did it really revolve around? It revolved around certainly pride and all that. But the bottom line is, I don't trust that God has our good for us. I don't trust that God said don't do that, so I probably shouldn't do that. There's, there's, there's a mistrust there. It's all about choosing to trust, trusting that there's a God, right? we got to start there. There is a God. We have to choose to trust that he loves us. That's hard. 
I don't naturally do that. I understand the Lord that wants to slap me around, right? Like that concept, if I do something wrong, I get that. That makes sense to me because my own experience is whatever. But sometimes it's hard to think he loves me all the time. It means trusting Jesus' sacrifice for us. That's tied to the love, right? That, that because of what Jesus did for me, for you, that now I am irrevocably saved. I'm holy. You're holy. You know what's so funny? Some of you don't like me. I don't even care because you don't determine whether I'm holy or not. Right? That's a lie. I care. It hurts my feelings. But it doesn't change the fact that I am who he says I am. And does it change the fact that you are who you say, who he says you are? It means trusting the Bible. That's a big proponent of our faith. You can't really say you're a Christian, even though the world's going to start telling you you can. There's a church down south. I'm letting everybody know this. A pretty big church. Uh, I don't know what's the word I want to look for. Kind of hip and cool and edgy, right? Um, and they're big, and they just came out and said that the Bible is not infallible. It's our job to interpret it for modern culture. It's not actually the perfect word of God. That's where it starts. So, by the way, that simple fact, that changes everything. We trust that God has our good in mind. So it's all building up, right? So God loves me, that's cool. But does he really want good for me? Because the reality is human relationships, someone can say they love you, but they don't always have your good. They don't. They're flawed. Sometimes they do it intentionally, and even those with best intentions, we don't always do what's good for each other. We have to trust that God is different than that and that he does that. We have to trust that the things that we give up to follow Jesus, it's not about what makes you happy. Many things seem fun, good, enjoyable to our flesh, but we have to trust that there's a point in giving that up. I'm serious. Otherwise, it's really depressing. Everyone else seems to be having a great time, and I'm over here like, oh, boy, that looks fun. Are you sure, God? Even when it's like something like, you know, someone makes you mad and rude, and you really want to call them a bad name, or you want to punch them because they punch you, or, you know, all those types of things, that makes sense. And then you have to trust when God says, don't do that. Okay, I would, that seems like it would really feel good right now, Right? It means trusting, and this is, this is perhaps the crux of people in the world who are truly seeking, but a lot of them have trouble with this. And I get it, I was one of them. C.S. Lewis, my dead mentor, wrote a book about this, really. It means trusting that the terrible situations of this life and the scary obstacles that face us in this life, right? It means trusting that God is still there. And here's the weird part, that in the midst of the terrible brokenness and the hurt and the pain and the ugliness and all those kinds of things, that this is the hard part, I don't get it, that somehow, some way, he's going to bring good out of it. I don't see that. I don't. So many times I don't, but I have to trust his character. He is who he said he is. Because life is going to bring obstacles. Life is going to bring challenges and and struggles, and guys, this is the most depressing part, but it's true. We'll get to some, it's going to bring pain. Pain, right? This is the problem of pain. That's the C.S. Lewis book. What, right? What, that, that God has a purpose for that? See, I don't tell people, I don't, you know, when you say, oh, uh, someone dies, and oh, God had a plan for that. No, 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 listen, we try to take control of the plan, and when we do that, bad things happen, and God is trying to bring good out of the mess that we continually make. That's what he does. 
It doesn't feel that way. But trust isn't easy. It isn't. Which means what? Because I told you what is trust. It's faith. Faith isn't easy. You know, sometimes we feel like, you know, faith is a gift. I get that. You know, the Bible talks about a spiritual gift. And, and you know, he, the spirit, once we have it, does enable us to, to have faith at times when it wouldn't seem possible. But the reality is it's also a daily choice. It's a daily choice to have faith. And faith is not easy. And anyone that tells you it is, is probably fibbing to you. Even if it's unintentionally, maybe they don't want to face the reality. Faith isn't always easy. It will inevitably, listen to me, faith will inevitably, that means it's going to happen. It's going to eventually take another word. It's going to take courage. Courage is not a feeling. We'll get to that in a minute. Fear is a feeling. Can't help it, right? If you see a big lion, okay, if you see a big Chris, standing in front of you, right? If you see something scary, right? If, if that's in front of you, you can't help if your body's natural response is fight or flight. I'm scared. I'm scared. Here's the thing. Courage, though, is a choice. You may not be able to choose whether or not you feel fear, but you can certainly choose whether to be courageous in the face of it. It doesn't feel like it, but that's a lie. It takes bravery. It takes, faith takes a willingness to step. This is so, so important, guys. A willingness to take a step when God says step, even if it doesn't make sense. There's a lot of people in this room today. I shouldn't say a lot. There are probably some. A lot of people in the world. A lot of people in churches. They, get mis- they, they kind of mix it up. You're not really honest with yourself. You, you like to step when God's direction seems to be going where you want to go. And we call that faith. And sometimes it is. But real faith is stepping when you don't want to go, right? When you're on the ledge. Have you ever had those moments? The moment I would get to the point where I'm looking, I promise you I'm going, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, right? Even the first time you got on a roller coaster, you're like, yeah, this is great. And then that thing locks in because I promise you I tried to get out. First time I ever, I mean, I was like shaking it and it was like too late. And, you know, my dad was laughing at me and then it began. There was a moment of choice, when the truth is, riding that roller coaster, like, okay, it's locking now. <laughs> I'm just trusting that when I go in this big loop, I'm not going to fall. Faith is moving forward sometimes when the odds are literally impossibly stacked against you. There are things that are impossible in the human sense, bottom line. Faith takes courage, and yet faith is the one thing that God asks of us. Did you know that? No, Todd, he told me the Ten Commandments and all. That's true. But even that is what? Faith. God is asking of you. God asks of all people one thing and one thing only. Faith. Do you trust him? Will you follow him? Will you let him tell you what right and wrong is even when you don't really like what he says is right and wrong? Faith. Takes faith in him and faith in his plan. And listen, I told you I'm wrapping it. It takes me a minute. I'm wordy. We can see this in the story of the Israelites, their entire story. It was about trying to get them from the moment we left the garden because of our sin. God has been trying to get us to reverse the decision and come home. 
right? It really boiled down to God said, don't do this. Trust me. It's not good for you. We did it. He said, get out. And then he goes, I'm going to bring you home. But I got to teach you that your way is not the right way. We see it in the story of the Israelites. It's funny, man. A lot of times we Christians, we kind of look at them like, man, those people. They were so silly. They had to wander for 40 years in the desert because they just did not trust. What you should be saying is, whew, thank you, Jesus, because I don't want to be, I don't like the heat, right? They were stubborn. They were bullheaded. They were sinful. They were angry. They were faithless. Who's that sound like? Sounds like me sometimes. I can tell you that right now. We can see in the story of the Israelites, all the way from Abraham, right? Same God. Abraham what? You want to remember? And it was credited to him as righteousness. Anyone? This is your chance. You always want to talk. I actually invite you into it. Right? Believed God. Trusted God. Had faith. And his faith, his belief, his trust was credited to him as righteousness. Now here's the thing. Was Abram, who became Abraham, right, when God gave him his new name, was he a righteous man in and of himself? No. He, he, can you imagine, even though we do it, he literally sees God move in these crazy ways, interact with him, speak to him. God says, you're going to have a kid. He gets 90 years old. I'm not blaming him here. I see the odds. He doesn't have the kid, and he goes, you know what? Maybe God wanted me to really take some action here. Right? Maybe he wanted me to do something that he told me not to do so that the thing he said would happen would happen. Right? No, but that's what he did. He continually mistrusted God. But God, he had faith in God overall. And so it was credit to him as righteousness. You see, real faith, guys, is pretty rare. It's the truth. That's why it needs to be strengthened. Your faith has to be strengthened. Has to be tested, Scripture says. Refined. We tend to always, like I said, some of you in the room, you really need to come to a place when you understand what you think is right. Doesn't always mean that's what Jesus says right. Truthfully. Me, I'm one of them. I get it. So anyway, the Israelites, we find out, you know, they have to trust. They did some silly things, so God has to punish them. They become uh, slaves to the Egyptians. Then this, fan this fancy guy who was also faithless many times, fancied to us. He was not back then. He probably stuttered and couldn't talk. What was his name? Moses. So Moses shows up. You guys know the story, set my people free. Does crazy miracles, sees God move. It's pretty amazing. God speaks to him. Eventually Moses comes. He leads the people out of bondage, out of Egypt, and they're onward because God said, I'm going to lead my people, keep my promise, even though at times you've been faithless to me. I am going to take you to the land I promised to Abraham, and you will get to have your inheritance. That's exciting. We've been slaves. All right. I can't wait to get there tomorrow. And he's like, yeah, me too, man. <laughs> Forty years later. <laughs> Yet due to their stubbornness, their sin, because actually they got there. They actually got there. This is what's crazy. So they get there, and me and Josh, I'll use us. He won't care. We're up. We're like, all right, cool. We're here. And God's like, just go take it. And we see these really big, scary people with weapons and castles, lack of a better word. And it, I, I don't really know if this is a good idea. Actually, Moses, I'm kind of mad at you because the way we were looking at it, we were about to take a bath tonight. Nobody said anything about a fight, right? So we said no. And God said, good, then go wonder and see what it's really like. Go see what it's like when you have your way. See, it seems like punishment, but most of the time punishment is just giving us what we said we want. 
And then we go, oh, I did not want that. At least in my life, certainly the Israelites, okay, you don't want to be here? Okay, go on. Forty years later. Sin, consequences of sin. I'll give you what you want. Then you realize what you want isn't what you wanted. Forty years, guys, because of their stubbornness, they end up wandering through the desert for 40 years. Do you think Moses ever had moments when he doubted? I bet you he did. How do we know? Because people saw God all the time and still chose not to follow him. We'll get to a story later about a guy who, well, hopefully, and the guy, you know, God tells him to do something, and he keeps going, okay, God, if you really want me to do it, make this happen. And it happened. He's like, if you really want me to do it, make this happen. Forty years. That's a long time. So during this time, as they're wandering in the desert and things are happening, God still provides for his people because he loves them. And he gives them food when they're hungry and they go, this isn't enough. Literal heavenly bread. This is garbage. You were starving ten minutes ago. I know, but I hate this. Give me some meat. He does. You know what's crazy? Gives him meat. Oh, we don't have any water. We don't have this. God keeps showing up. During this time, God revealed to Moses on this mountaintop. God shows up, meets him. He comes down. He's glowing because he's been in the presence of God. Ten commandments. You guys know that, right? He tells them, this is how you will be. You will be my people. I'm going to show you how, how that's going to be. This is how you are to act. By the way, it's things that we shouldn't have to tell each other. Don't kill each other. <laughs> right? Don't kill each other. Don't steal, on and on and on. So finally, after 40 long years, when they've learned their lesson, Moses leads them back to the edge of the land they were promised to. This time, the stubborn, bullheaded people like me and Josh probably are either dead or, you know, something. Hopefully we're still around, man. Anyway, there we are looking. We're looking at it. We get to see it. We're excited. This time, okay, we'll fight. We got Moses. He's been doing some cool things. They reach the promised land. They have literally what God has promised is in their side, a healthy, and, a healthy and thriving permanent home. On the other side of the river is the land that they searched for. Oh, it's still not empty. That's okay. We got Moses. All right, you guys remember when he, he split the sea? This guy's got some power. I've seen it. Even though the land's filled with Canaanite, the Canaanites and they worship false gods, had fierce armies, they had more men, they got walls. <laughs> we have sandals. I'm just kidding. I don't, I don't know what they had, but they were outgunned for sure. They had more people. We had to fight against a larger force with, that had superior weapons, cities with walls. But we've got a Moses. It reminds me of Avengers, right? We got a Hulk. We got a Moses. We're good. And then Moses died. Now what? You see, the promise and faith was not in Moses. It was never in Moses. In fact, we see just Deuteronomy 34, 10, and 12 tells us what they think. This is in the Bible. No prophet has arisen again in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. He was unparalleled for all the signs and wonders the Lord sent him to do against the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh, to all his officials, and to all this land. And for all the mighty acts of power and terrifying deeds that Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. This, is a, this guy's a big deal. Moses was dead. How is this possible now? We had a Moses. We don't have a Moses. Now I'm worried. Moses, the man who'd spoken to God, who had led the Israelites out of slavery into freedom, performed the miracles, part of the Red Sea, talked to God, got the Ten Commandments, led them through the desert, fed them, gave them water. It wasn't him, though, was it? God. 
was the one providing. This Moses, though, had died, and there they were on the very edge of what they had suffered for so long to get, and God had promised them, this is yours, now what? We'll go to the now what. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. A lot of people hear parts of this. It's encouraging. So we find out right after this. After the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, who had served Moses, his assistant. Moses, my servant, is dead. Now you and all the people prepare to cross over the Jordan to the land I'm giving the Israelites. All right, Moses is dead. Let's go do what I told you to do. Those two things don't seem to go together. Moses is dead, but you still want us to go. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great Euphrates River, all the land of the Hittites and west to the Mediterranean Sea. No one will be able to stand against you for as long as you live. I will be with you just as I was with Moses. I will not leave you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you will distribute the land I swore to their fathers to give them as an inheritance. Above all, here we go again, be strong and very courageous to carefully observe the whole instruction my servant Moses commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to recite it day and night so that you may carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. Haven't I commanded you, be strong and courageous. There it is again. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Yeah, that is, that's, amen, you're right. That's encouraging. It actually, it really is. I think a lot of times we envision him saying that to us, right? Be strong and courageous. That's good. That's the same promise, same God. But when you think about the context of what's happening here, this becomes even crazier. I just told you about Moses. Now, you're Moses' servant. Okay, you're his little buddy. So you have firsthand experience who this guy is and what he has accomplished. And now you got to follow him. You ever remember in class, like in speech class, someone gives a really good speech. They're like the, the goody two-shoes, perfect, straight-A student, and then it's your turn. And you got to go, and everybody has clapped and gone crazy. And then you walk up, and everybody's going. All right, you got to follow that. It's, it's, it's not good to follow that act, to follow the really good. Out, you know, you want to be either first. You remember the story. You want to be first or last. So all the other ones are kind of the good people go in the middle. If you, go, if you go first, you set the bar low. It's fine. Nobody will remember you. Right? Verse 9 always encouraged me in the time, and I, I do. I think you guys probably have to envision God saying that to us, and that's awesome. But it becomes more radical and challenging because it's not just encouragement. There's a challenge here. There's a challenge here that we remember when we let ourselves be put into Joshua's situation. Let's, let's look at this. God tells Joshua, Moses just died. Oh, by the way, go finish the mission. What mission? You want me to go back in the desert? No problem. No, no, no. I want you to go take those uh, vicious, you know, I, I imagine like, and they're like chewing steel, you know, like waiting, crazy guys. No, that's what I envision. It's funny. He reminds them of the promise and the mission. I will do what I told you I would do. Well, that's cool. But what assurance do I have of that? My faith, his faith. He reminds him that he's with him. He calls him to be courageous and brave. To not be fearful or discouraged. Here's the funny thing. 
Put yourself in Joshua's shoes, guys. This becomes even crazier. It's one thing to tell someone to be brave and courageous. It's another thing to tell someone to step in the shoes of someone that you don't feel worthy to step in their shoes and lead. Right? If you're a sports fan, it's like going into the Super Bowl and Tom Brady goes down and they call you from the stands. They're like, hey, I need you to lead this uh, fourth quarter comeback. It'll be fine. Right? I would love to. But anyway, I'd still score. Um, It always strikes me. That, you know, Joshua was a real person. It's also interesting to me that Joshua, in this terrible situation, you know, we don't know the time frame. I'm sure, G, you know, Moses died. God didn't probably come to him right then. Moses' body may be laying out there. You know, we, we know what happens to that later. But he's, he's probably in his tent, and he's sitting there going, I would be, and going, oh, my goodness, what am I going to do? It, we don't get any mention of Joshua saying he's afraid or frightened, but I imagine sitting in his tent, alone with the weight of an entire people on his shoulders and without his mentor, those frightening thoughts would come, right? I have to follow that kind of guy. I'm not Moses. I don't have that kind of faith. I haven't split the Red Sea. I didn't do miracles. The pressure that would bring. I don't want to mess up. He got us here. Now I could drop the ball. These are my people. Lives. Men, women, children. The questioning from the people, you don't think, it doesn't say it. You think they were all like, all right, Joshua, we believe in you. No, they'd be going, he ain't no Moses. Right? We're doomed. The whispers, the anxiety would come and the discouragement would come and the guilt at even being fearful. I'm sure he felt that too. I shouldn't be fearful. I've seen you move, God. Have you ever had that before? You feel guilty for even doubting him? This was supposed to be Moses, not me. And here, without ever saying it, I love this, guys. Listen, God knew he was afraid. God knew that he was nervous, scared, discouraged, questioning. And God spoke into Joshua's unspoken fears. That's what makes this beautiful to me. Before he even had a chance to let it come out, he comes in the quiet and he tells him, you don't have to be afraid. You see, guys, this is encouraging for a reason, too. This is kind of an aside, and you need to know this. Being afraid isn't a sin. You don't need to feel guilty because you're afraid. God knows that you're going to be afraid. He knows you're going to be discouraged. He knows you're going to be fearful, nervous, and anxious. He knows that. Because that's a product of sin, right? Our our mistrust and our worry and our doubt. Fear is a real feeling. But God has to remind us that we have the choice to be courageous. You have the choice. Because courage isn't a feeling. It can't be, right? Think about it. When do you feel brave? People might say it. You don't say that. You go, he's being brave. He feels brave. No. Bravery and courage is an action. It's a choice. It's a moment when you're on the ledge when you say, I will do it anyway. That's bravery. In fact, I can tell you this. I think that you can only have bravery in the face of fear. Otherwise, it's not, we don't, it's not, hey, that guy was really courageous. He just made himself a turkey sandwich, right? We don't say that. Now put a couple lions in there and a pit and then we might talk. Wow, Todd is very courageous. He walked to his car and started it, right? Nobody claps for that. You should sometimes. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Courage is a choice. 
Courage is a choice to have faith. They're interchangeable. Have you guys, this isn't in my notes, but like, 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 like. <laughs> How many times in your life have you felt like you're on the ledge, right, on the edge? And you know what I mean. It's, it's, I almost call this on the brink, but that's scary because it always makes it seem like something bad's coming. Sometimes it's not bad. Sometimes it's the unknown, but there's a choice. And you have to make a choice. And this is what's crazy. You only really have two. You make yourself think you have a bunch. But if you really boil down most choices, you have two. To do or not do. To walk or not walk. To act or not act. That's it. And if you had those moments, and listen, uh, you, I could tell you some of mine, but like I remember a time that I sat, you know, I graduated college right when the uh, economy tanked last year. I'm just kidding. I'm a little older than that. But when the economy tanked, so when I was going out to get a job, it was tough. I tell this story all the time because it's crazy. I didn't know that meant anything because I'm a fresh college guy. And, you know, there were 60 applicants, people with master's degrees and doctors applying for at the time of a 15-hour, $10-an-hour uh, job. And I sat there, because for some reason the guy told me this before I came. And I drove an hour to get here, to this town. And I'm still here. Anyway, and I'm looking, I'm in my car, and I promise you, it probably doesn't seem a lot, but to a young guy who has no job, no money, no career hope, no help from anyone, I had an option to walk in there and look like an idiot. Because I had went to an interview earlier. This, I don't want to tell you the story, but you know it took real courage here. I went, I, I, I went to get an interview. I'm allowed to say business names. I think I can, right? It was a true story. Enterprise. Okay. Um, turns out they really care what you look like. Um, when I showed up, I, I had a button-up shirt on, no tie, because I'm hip and cool. And uh, <laughs> I'm not kidding you when I tell you what this lady did. So I go through the whole interview, and she goes, Okay. Well, hey, I have some advice. Uh, I, you know, you have any questions? I say no. She goes, well, here, I have some for you. How about you wear a tie next time? How about you don't wear scuff shoes? Now, picture my first profession. I was like, you know. And I'm sitting here again going, now you got people, people looking for a master's degree. And I'm supposed to go in here. That was a moment for me. And, and you know, that maybe that's not a big one. For some of you, it's the moment to ask someone to marry you, right? You have that moment where the last minute can be like, ooh, I don't have to do this. Should I? Should I not? Ask the girl out. Ask the guy out. Uh, take that chance. Move. Take that job. Um, stand up in the face of injustice. Speak when it'd be easier not to. Swallow your pride. Apologize. Forgive. All the things that he calls us to do. These moments, these ledges, these, these times. If you're not on one right now, they're coming. Because the truth is, they come a lot. They're just some small and some big. Some of you might be in a marriage that's literally on the edge. It could go either way. Right? And you have the choice to do what you feel you're supposed to do versus the choice to do what you want to do. That's being on the edge. Sometimes, you know, some of your both sides, man and woman, your spouse is not nice. They're mean. And if you ask me, do they deserve you? The answer is no. But it's never been about that. Because God gave direction. That's being on the edge. What do you do in that moment? What do you do in the moment when you're at work and everybody, I mean, guys, I can make it as apple as you want when everyone's laughing about that thing you know is wrong to laugh at. 
when someone's getting bullied, you, you know, you, bullying doesn't stop after school. You guys think that you might as well get ready now. It doesn't. It just looks different. What do you do when someone comes in and call, tells you that you're something you're not? What do you do when you have to stand up for Christ when it goes completely against the current? What do you do when the Bible's direction doesn't go the same direction as the church? What do you do? What do you do when you're on that edge? That ledge. You got to do something. Sometimes what we do, I bet most of you, if you're like me, you'll wait. Like, God will just like make me fall or something, right? Or he'll blow me backwards. Like somehow someone will take the choice away. That doesn't happen. You're just miserable <laughs> waiting. Especially when it's something you know he's already told you to do. Hey, if you're in the room and you're waiting for God to tell you to love someone, he already told you. If you're waiting for God to tell you to forgive someone, he already told you. If you're waiting for God to tell you to go to church, he already told you. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I used to be that guy, by the way. Big or small, guys, we all face these edges, these ledges, these moments. And it takes courage. It takes courage to confess. Maybe you're trapped in an addiction or you're trapped in a situation you can't get out yourself, right? Well, I can't tell anyone. They'll look at me differently. They might. What did God say to do? What if I lose everything? You might. But what did God say to do? Those are the moments that are hard. So since I know everyone in this room, how about this? So we all feel part of the, part of the story here. Raise your hand if you either are on a ledge, edge, or you, have, you remember a time being on one. Those moments I'm talking about. Good. The rest of you, you're fibbing to me. But if not, it's coming. I want to, tell, I want to talk to you today using this story from Joshua. And we're going to actually talk more about him. But this is just the beginning. He has a lot of moments. Pretty crazy. He does some pretty amazing things. And we, we don't tend to talk about them beyond this section and one other. Jericho, right? The walls. And that's it. And there's a lot of things that happen in there. I'm going to tell you, how do we face the ledge? How do you face it? When you're on the ledge, what we can take, even from this section, because before I go on, I want to tell you what happens next. you want to know what happens next? The very next verse says that Joshua, paraphrasing, got up and went and told his officers, we're moving. Get everyone ready. Go check this out. We're moving. He's, he, he moves. He's on the edge. God says, don't be afraid, and he steps. He doesn't wait. He doesn't say, well, let me wait another day to see if God tells me again. He steps. So, number one, fear is a feeling, but courage is a choice. I told you that already. Fear is a feeling. Courage is a choice. Quit waiting to feel courageous. Quit, quit waiting to feel like you want to take a step and act. I'm serious. It's not going to come. I do this all the time. I am terrible at this. I am a guy, and I'm not tooting my own horn here because if you know me, I don't like myself. But one of the things, I'm very decisive in a lot of things. Boom, boom, boom. But when it comes to things like, Todd, something so stupid, like do you want a blue shirt or a red one? I'm like, oh, man, what if I pick wrong? <sighs> I mean, that's how I am. But if you come and like, we got to do something now or everything falls apart, I'm like, Pfft. if I have any time to think, I just sit on the edge because I always want to pick the right one. 
Uh, you, you, are you, anyone there ever trapped by that? Like you're like right and wrong. You want to find the best, right? The best choice. Listen, I'm going to tell you right now. Sometimes the best choice is just a choice. It's a choice. And I put in parentheses, be brave. Be brave. Act it when you don't feel it. That is courage. That is faith. Faithful people, you don't just go, oh, look, he looks really faithful. It is a person who's doing it. What if you believe God? I think this all the time. What if you believe that no matter what happens or is happening in your life, and I'm not going to, like, I could tell you some sugar-coated thing, but I would be lying to you, that somehow he's going to use it for your good. That, that sounds crazy, but he said that. How could he possibly make something good of this? I don't know, but he's in the business of doing that. What if you believe that? Would it, would it change the way you approached even decisions? The pressure's off because my God is on either side. Number two, we take from this. He says it. Remember the character of God. And I put read the Bible. He said meditate on his laws. So many Christians, I'm not going to make you raise your hand. Some of you haven't read the Bible in a week, even two weeks, three weeks. It's not optional. You are a new creation, a new creature. You need to be reminded of who you are and, more importantly, who God is. You have to because if you don't, the noise of this world will start to drown out your faith. It's interesting that he tells Joshua that. He says, listen, I need you to do not stray from the right. Do what I told you to do. You're on the edge. First and foremost, do what God told you to do. Sometimes it is black and white. Forgiveness, not optional. <laughs> Love, not optional. Do it. It's not easy. Sometimes the hardest thing in the world is to show love to someone that you don't feel love for. You got to read the Bible. You're on the edge, remind yourself. Remind yourself, and I'll add to this if you're taking notes. Listen, God has already done things in your life to show that he's there. Remember them. Remember the other ledges. Number three, be strong. Be strong. That's another action. I'm not talking about physical strength. I'm talking about are you willing to weather the storm? Sometimes, we are kind of talking about this in our men's group thread the other day. James kind of talked about, you know, we want to be culture setters and changers, but also sometimes the best you can do is be strong and not move from where you're at. Be strong. It's so interesting that he says that. Be courageous. That's going to take something. But also be strong. That means when you are opposed that you don't bend. When you're on the edge and you make a decision, make it and walk. And be strong with what comes because you know who your God is. And you're equipped. That's the other thing. The Bible says that he has equipped you to do everything he needs you to do. The Holy Spirit has equipped you to do that. Some of you in this room are like, yeah, this is really good advice, but it doesn't help me in day-to-day -day actual activities. I'm sorry if I offended you. But that's how you sound to me, right? It's ridiculous. You are equipped. You can do it. Number four, stop focusing on the what-ifs and I put slash the scene. I don't know about you. A lot of times when we're on the ledge, in the edge, and God's told you to do something, or sometimes it's just a choice, and it takes faith, right? The thing you do, maybe you don't. I do this, is I go, but what if? And that's what leads you to try to find the best thing. Well, what if I step and I snap my ankle? 
well, I don't want to do that. But what if I step over here and I fall into this? What if my pants fall down accidentally because of, I mean, it's ridiculous things, right? Then I'll be really embarrassed. And then if I'm really embarrassed, no one ever talk to me again. And then no one talks to me again, I'll be living in a trash can, right? I don't know. That's how it leads you, though, right? What ifs lead you there. But here's the thing. Sometimes it's not just the what ifs. It's the scene. Meaning, Joshua saw these people. There's, there's situations and circumstances that were there. You can't change it. It's there. Don't focus on that. Focus on one step at a time doing what God told you to do and let him sort the rest out. There's a scripture that says that in the New Testament, right? Paul says, I, I don't focus on the seen, but the unseen. God, these obstacles are nothing to me. Number five, take God, oop, wrong part. Number five, um, focus on what you can control. Focus on what you can control. A lot of times, if you're like me too, I, it kind of gets tied in with the what ifs. Well, Joshua, he didn't say, Joshua, um, I want you to, you know, he, he just said, go across, take it. Each steps at a time. He didn't say, come up with a master strategy in this moment that covers every single contingency. That's what I like to do, but it's impossible. And again, you end up freezing and doing nothing. Focus on what you can control. What I can control is what I do. Joshua honestly had no assurance that the people would even follow him. He didn't. He had to do what he had to do and trust that God was going to do what God was going to do. Don't worry about everyone else in your life when you're on the edge. What if they do this? What if they do that? Well, I'm, you're, you're trying to guess what they do before they do it. You follow God and do what he told you to do. You can only control you. The best advice I've ever been given in life you can find in Scripture. The only person you can control is you. Amen. One more, I believe. Right, fellas? There we go. Take God at his word. Take God at his word. God is with you. He said that. I am with you. I'll never forsake you. By the way, Jesus says the same thing. Right? Fear not. I've overcome the world. I will never leave you or forsake you. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. All these things saying, I'm with you. I will be with you till the end of the age. Woo. Take him in his word. All right, God, I trust you. You're in this. Next. Set your face like a flint. If you were one of the guys close to me, you know I've said this a billion times, and step. You know, there's a uh, section in, in the New Testament. Couldn't tell you exactly where it's at right now, but it's a crazy part that I kind of gloss over. For, there at one point that some of the Jewish people are going to throw Jesus off a cliff. They back him up to a cliff, and they're like, you're this and that. And it says, it gets translated. It says he looked at them, but it can be translated, he set his face like a flint. He gave them that look like, I'm going this way. And they parted. It also happens when he's going to Jerusalem. He knew he had to go there. It says Jesus turned to Jerusalem and walked. He set his face like a flint and walked toward his destiny. A flint's really hard. It means I'm going to do this. No one's going to stop me. Guys, sometimes, ladies, sometimes you have to set your face like a flint and step knowing that you're not going to know what's coming until you do it. You just got to do it. Just do it. Nike, get it? Yeah. P.S. A little info for you. Do you know Nike is a Greek goddess? Bet you didn't know that, some of you. Greek goddess of victory, look it up. I read a book. <laughs> Set your face like a flint. The bottom line is she's going to come play some music, guys, and I leave you with this. And, I, and, and this is one of those messages, it's like, oh, it's great. And Unless you're in, if, if you're on a ledge right now, this is going to mean something to you. Because it did me. If you're not, you'll hopefully remember it someday. 
What is your edge right now? What is it? What's the thing that, you know, sometimes the edge is just continuing on when you don't see any hope. A lot of lonely people. I'm never going to find who I want. I'm never going to find love. I'm never going to find this. Why do I, you know, you're going to be tempted to compromise your values. I can't get a good guy, so I'll settle for a bad one. Some of you do that. Right? I can't find a good godly woman, so I'll just go settle for a warm body. Sometimes it's your marriages. You know, you just accept it. This is what it is. I'm on the edge, but there's nothing to be done. It's not true. Well, I've tried everything God told me to do. Did you do it for 40 years? Because if you didn't, you can't complain yet. Right? And those of you that did do it for 40 years, keep going. Life is filled with these moments that are just... And sometimes we make the wrong decisions. Sometimes we, we take the wrong step or we don't step when we should. And there's consequences to that. That stinks, right? You know, if you're the Israelites and, and, and you sinned, right? You didn't trust God. There was a consequence. And they had to wander around and learn and go through a lot of hardship. But you know what's really cool about that story? We joke, oh, 40 years is a long time. But he still kept his promise. Sometimes we don't make a step when we should, and sometimes we take a step we shouldn't, and there's a mess, and then we're scared to take another one because we made a mess the last time. That's fear. Perfect love casts out all fear. That's what the Bible says. He who is fearful has not been perfected in love. You know why it says that? You haven't trusted that God loves you. Because if you really grasp how much he loved you, you wouldn't be afraid ever. have moments in our life when God has something incredible for us, but it's going to take a step. Sometimes more than one. Sometimes it's going to take 40 years. Sometimes it's going to take a battle. Sometimes it's going to take effort. It's going to take something, but it's all tied back to faith in Him. Do you trust Him? Not the man, not Moses, not the person, because they're not trustworthy. The best people aren't. Do you trust God? That he is who he said he is and that he will keep his promises. Maybe some of you in this room, the ledge is God, is a relationship with God. You just don't have one. You don't have one and the reason is, is because he's called you for a long time, but you know that to step means to let go of something else. That's tough. I get it. But you'll be standing there the rest of your life missing out on what he's promised to his people. I don't have a fancy way to end this today. I wish it did. Sometimes I have like cool sayings or something. I don't have anything like that. But this is what I have for you. Faith is being courageous. Faith is trust. Faith is a choice. Every day. Every single day. Every moment that God is who he said he is he will keep his promises I don't know where you're at today guys but there'll be people up take this time it's called altar time to pray to focus on that maybe you need to be reminded of who God is maybe you need to remember the what times he's come through for you to help you get through this moment and maybe you're on that ledge of whether or not you should step and follow him do I really want to believe this stuff you have to make a step whatever you do don't leave here the same as you came in because if you do you're choosing to